Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by Alliance Insurance with me, Steph McGovern. Over the course of 2022, we've talked about the important things happening in the world and looked at how they might impact the insurance industry. In this episode, we'll look back at some of the most significant issues we've discussed over the past year. Of course, if you want to listen to the full editions we've done, you can do that on your normal podcast app. Now, we kicked off 2022 by looking at claims and what the future holds for those who have to make a claim on their policy. It used to be pretty simple, didn't it? A loss adjuster would come round, look at the property or plant that had been damaged and work out the cost. Well, now many claims are processed online, as Graham Gibson, Chief Claims Officer at Alliance, explains. There's no doubt that COVID has led to acceleration and acceleration of digital delivery. Now, it's not just in claims, it's across the whole value chain within insurance. One of the things I think is always marvellous is when you go and ask your customers what they want, they tell you and you get it for free. So listening to customers is really, really important. And what we're hearing is a consistent piece of feedback around simple claims and complex claims. If it's simple, you know, a simple motor accident, um, maybe damage to a building, but nothing too severe. What we're hearing is that our customers want digital delivery. They want to be able to report a claim in their own time in a way that suits them. During the day, they don't want to be calling contact centres. They want to be dealing with their own business. So simple claims, we're getting a very, very clear steer that that needs to be a digital delivery. On the flip side, if we are talking about complex claims, so maybe a fire or a flood, something that's really quite significant, our customers are telling us they want a bespoke service, an individual claims handler, and what I would describe as a hand-holding experience. These are pretty unique events, and our customers need our help to navigate the complexity that this brings. However, the steep rise in inflation means that now when many people make a claim, they'll find that it costs much more to replace an item compared to how much was initially paid for it. Sometimes a repair, not replace strategy can help keep down costs. We spoke to Dr Matthew Connell, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the Chartered Insurance Institute. Every quarter we do uh, a survey of SMEs uh, to find out what's important to them on insurance and claims and what their experience is with their insurer. And I think Graham's point about simple and complex claims is a really important one. I think what we find with the simple claims, insurers perform well and especially on on speed of claims and, and dealing with them very quickly. What we found through COVID was there was a minority of SMEs, about 15% of SMEs who are heavily affected by COVID and their experience, as you can imagine, being in a more difficult position wasn't so good and I guess what came out of there wasn't so much the result of the claim it was about being shown compassion and being shown empathy for the situation they were in and I think that really goes back to Graham's point about it's those complex claims it's a very different experience a very different set of expectations from businesses. Agreeing with that was David Perry Managing Director at the Federation of Small Businesses Insurance Service. I think that one of the important things that the insurance industry has to do is analyse the data that's increasingly available to it in order to monitor customer experience and see how well we're doing. And I agree that increasing digitalization is probably the way to do it because the technology is there now to act more speedily in the claims when they happen. In Insurance Tomorrow, we also looked at one of the hottest topics of 2022, cybersecurity and insurance. 
Allianz's 2022 risk barometer ranks cybersecurity the number one threat to businesses in the near future. Now, an attack can vary from data breaches to entire computer networks being brought down, and small companies can be particularly vulnerable. But there are measures that they can take to protect themselves against cyber attacks, says Tonya Dudley, Director, Strategic Advisor at Cofence. Small businesses, they don't always have the resources, you know, they invest in a service to help them. And, you know, if they don't ask the right questions or know what their services are covering, um, it can really hurt them, right? And so, you know, we see like Microsoft, they've actually implemented some default controls to help those smaller businesses who might not know better to be able to, you know, turn on MFA or turn on two-factor. And so by making small little technical mitigations, right, you can help with kind of helping protect against some of those attacks. When you're logging into an application or a website, you can have that secondary factor of having that second factor to want to authenticate that it's really you coming in. And of course, cybercrime doesn't discriminate between individuals or the size of a company, as Haley Eastman Dale, Head of Information Security at Allianz, explained. The reality is that insurance and considerations around it are just not front of mind for most people. You're running a business, you've probably got some much more pressing issues about actually trading profitably, especially given the, the challenges that the economy has faced. And some recent data that we saw said that 55% of customers only ever think about whether their insurance is adequate at renewal once a year. And, you know, perhaps in the past that might have been okay because, say, low inflation environments and actually a, a pretty stable kind of economic world around you, that, that might have been sufficient. But now in a situation where it's got very high inflation, which has driven some considerable changes to kind of values and the impact of supply chains. But also, I would call out the impact of COVID is, is a new factor. Um, we actually saw in the first few months of the first lockdown, just under 10% of our entire small business customer base changed their policies in terms of their levels of cover. And we attribute that to their change in circumstances because of a lockdown, because of COVID. Very understandably, you know, seeking to reduce premiums, they've got much more limited trading, and therefore you do the sensible thing and, and save yourself some, some money in a very difficult environment. What we have not seen is as the economy recovered, that customers have reversed any of those changes at the same pace with which they made those changes. And I say, we don't sit here and think that people are doing that from a kind of deliberate standpoint, but it does leave them in a very real kind of risky situation should claims occur. The pandemic has resulted in many businesses operating in ways that they didn't expect to and for which they may not have full cover. Alistair Blundell, the head of general insurance at the British Insurers Brokers Association, says brokers have a key role in making sure that companies are adequately insured. For example, by reviewing the sum insured both at renewal time and when changes happen to the business. Some people sleepwalk into this problem not knowingly. And we're living through a period of high inflation. So people aren't perhaps getting their buildings valued properly, which is a key point. And we recommend that a building gets looked at at least every year at this time. Some research recently showed that 
the average period of, of revaluation is, is over two and a half years. And during the pandemic, that gap's widened. So you've got a real problem of insuring a building at a lower sum insured than the real value of replacing that building or reinstating that building is. And that's a real issue. So we advise that you must get a professional valuation and a broker can advise the client on how to arrange that and make sure that valuation is reviewed regularly. Of course, we aren't just looking back. We've also looked eight years ahead to 2030. Now that's when new conventional petrol or diesel cars and vans won't be sold in the UK anymore. And it means, of course, many more of us are thinking of going electric. So we looked at the implications of the move to e-mobility for the insurance industry with Nick Kelsell, the head of motor claims at Allianz. Your next purchase might be a petrol or diesel car, but the one after that is going to be electric. In terms of price, they are coming down and effectively the benefits are significant. So the initial outlay is typically more expensive than a conventional combustion vehicle. Um, but the benefits there um, you get on a company vehicle, you get a benefit in kind uh, tax benefit. Um, typically on a petrol or diesel car, you benefit in kind tax ranges between 25 to 35%, which is uh, coming off your income tax wares. For a pure electric vehicle, um, this year I believe it's 0%, uh, then 1% next year and, and, and 2%. And there's significant benefits as well for fleet operators um, in that the cost per mile is significantly less. So, so as you use the vehicle more, the overall running cost of the vehicle in its entirety will outbalance that initial outlay I'm sure. Jill Knoll, the head of electric vehicle communications at LV Electrics, examined where liability lies and the issues around charging vehicles. For more from a kind of a consumer perspective, really, and I think this applies as well to fleet managers, it can be really confusing when you first start to think about, you know, electric cars and what all that means. You have to go to lots of different places for lots of different things. So whether that's for the car itself, for the insurance, for the charging that you need, whether that's home or public charging. So one of the things that we're doing through LV Electrics is just trying to make it simple to help people make a switch. So, you know, providing all the information you might need, plus, you know, that one place to come for all those products and services, which is interesting for me, I think, because as a traditional kind of insurance business, then we're starting to diversify and really kind of respond to what is clearly a very, very strong consumer trend in terms of electric car uptake. Sustainable insurance is a strategic approach where all activities in the insurance value chain, including interactions with stakeholders, are done in a responsible and forward-looking way. To discuss this, we're joined by Glenn Clark, Head of Strategy and Transformational Propositions at Allianz. Probably there's a belief amongst many people that sustainability is somehow a cost to your business and something that is difficult to attain and not necessarily clear on why you should attain it in the short term. And, and I think with the current economic environment that we face, then really being able to help businesses understand why this is something that they should make part of their strategy in their business model and about why it's important to their stakeholders, why it's important to their staff, why it's important to their customers, how it can reduce costs, how it can strengthen your reputation. Are these things that perhaps need to be elevated, that this can be a positive source of change, not just your green credentials, but also to your bottom line. 
that pragmatism as well as the desire to make that broader contribution to you know a global issue which can sometimes feel daunting as you said is something that will perhaps elevate this into something that's more front of mind day to day than perhaps something that's thought about periodically um, and maybe a bit side of desk. Joe Goddard, founder of Green and Good Consulting, says there are many ways we can work on identifying, assessing, managing and monitoring opportunities associated with environmental, social and governance issues. There's lots of different things going on and it's quite fast moving as well. So it's quite hard for businesses to think, oh, hold on a second. What what do we need to do now? There's a new piece of legislation. What do we need to do now? And I think really what businesses need to start thinking about is first and foremost their own impacts on the environment and their own risks relating to climate change. And so the best thing that they can do, certainly small businesses, is start to think about their carbon footprint. So the energy that they use within their businesses through switching on the lights, using the computers, driving, that sort of thing. And how can they reduce that? That's kind of the first thing that they need to think about. And then they think about, well, how does this impact then on our customers and those people who supply to us? So it's sort of either end then of their their businesses. Yeah, and it can be as simple as those small things you're saying because they eventually all add up. And I think that's really important for people to understand because so many businesses might think, well, actually, if if it's just me turning off the lights or, or reducing, how much impact actually does that have? But that's the nub of it. You know, it's everybody doing their bit. You know, we are all in this together. This isn't just for one business or for big business or for government to tackle. It's everybody all together doing their bit. Now, flexible working has been shown to provide employees with more control. It helps to transmit trust, allows for a better work-life balance and even has a positive effect on the environment. Julie Harrison, Chief HR Officer at Alliance, explained how we can make it work without undermining team building and a collaborative culture. What we've had to do is coming on the back of COVID, we've looked at what we call new ways of working. We've really co-created that with our people across the organization bearing in mind you can't avoid that you still you've got customers you've got business and you've got people so it's a triangle working together if your ways of working is all centered on your people you're going to lose the customer and business aspect and the triangle has to work so it's really been about taking a co-creation approach with our people to get that designed about what's going to work for you your teams Bear in mind, we've got business and customers to serve. And in terms of that, getting commitment and buy-in, you've got to empower people to make the right decisions within their teams. And that's the approach we've taken. We've been pretty radical on that. And this year was the year that we've called the, let's let it run, let's experiment, let's see how that goes. We've got key learnings coming out, low that we really now have to sit down. And we've actually been doing that for the last two days in, in an exec meeting to say, okay, what have we learned from that last year? And so what have you learned? In our recent engagement survey, over 90% of our people are saying we absolutely love the flexibility. Don't let's lose the flexibility. On the flip side, though, we're starting to put in jeopardy what I call community spirit. And that is the one that we've got to face into in 2023. How do you allow flexibility but still create community and a sense of belonging to an organisation 
and that one that creates stickiness but at the same time you don't become an organization where if someone resigns all they do is switch off your computer screen turn the chair to a different angle at home and start with the next company. Professor Sir Carrie Cooper, CBA from the Manchester Business School at the University of Manchester, says this is a fundamental shift. What we were doing before, trudging in to London, Manchester, Glasgow, all over the damn place. Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, long hours. We had the longest working hours of any country in Europe, second only behind the United States. Didn't need it. Didn't yeah. need it. I mean, we needed to change. And and I think in a funny sort of way, the one good part of the pandemic is it's forcing us to. And with that thought, we'll bring this episode looking back on 2022 to a close. We'll be back with you in January, where we'll be looking at things like staying business resilient in challenging times. And of course, keeping you up to date with the key hot topics throughout 2023. So please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app. That way you'll never miss an episode. And we would love it if you left us a review as well. Many thanks to all of those who have taken part in our many discussions. From me, Steph McGovern and Alliance. Until next time, goodbye.